Hey guys, it's Tim Shorts of Gothridge Manor doing a drive home podcast on a Friday afternoon. You all know out there that's my favorite podcast to do. And uh, I am looking forward to the weekend. The only thing about a weekend is the last two days and then you're back at it. But uh, you'll have that. Today, uh, tonight actually, today's uh, October 27th, 2023. So deep in the Halloween season. Uh, if you live where I live, they actually had trick-or-treat last night. I uh, They've always done that here. They always do the trick-or-treating the Thursday before Halloween for whatever reason. I don't know. Um, and then, uh, then on another night on Fridays now, now that they do a trunk-or-treat where the cars go to uh, a parking lot they dre- decorate their trunks and then the kids walk around like at the, usually it's like at the movies or at a church or something like that and then the kids can walk around and you know trick-or-treat and uh, with through the trunks of cars and everything which is fun and it gives the, the kids another opportunity to go out and get get some more candy for their stash which is is the ultimate and important thing because the poundage of candy that you bring home and the amount of Reese cups, the ratio of Reese cups within that candy is how you determine whether you won trick or treat or you lost trick or treat. Simple math. Topic for today, and maybe the topic for tonight. Uh, tonight is the Random Party Generator podcast on YouTube at Tankars Tavern. So if you get a chance, although I'm only releasing this like a couple hours, two, two and a half hours before we're getting together, and even by the time I get done with this, it'll be even less time. Uh, we're going to be getting together tonight. I think it's going to be a pretty full group but rob's always there because rob can't help but talk uh you know eric he's the host joe will be there I believe greg will be there and i'm pretty damn sure i'll be there so that'll be two times i'm in there in a row which is very rare for me uh so yeah i don't know i feel like getting together and doing that and uh, I think one of the topics tonight, and I'm going to kind of go over my POV for you guys. And what it is, is the, it's, it's, I think we're going to cover, and who knows if we'll ever get to it. We never know what's going to happen when we start talking. Um, I told Rob, though, we're not going to be talking about what the hell. He wanted to talk about the elf license. I'm like, I don't want to talk about elf licenses. Oh, my God. No, no more license talk. Ah. Uh, but uh, something more gameable is the um, the consequences of being in a campaign, the choices and, con- and consequences, or rewards, as it, whether it may be, uh, like a long-term type of campaign. So, for those who might not understand most 99999% will probably know but just in case there's somebody out there who doesn't understand so uh, campaign ongoing 
series of adventures and one affects the other and so it's not episodal where like if one thing happens in uh, one session it doesn't affect the other session that's not how a campaign goes campaign uh, if you do something in session three it might affect you in session five or ten even somewhere down the line who knows uh, and if you're if you get good at it and practice at it uh, it can be a lot of fun it's it's a little extra work for the GM and but it's it's worth it it really is it not only does it uh, make for a fun game and really enhances the experience for the players but it also helps the, the GM develop a world uh, try to see what the world looks like through the players eyes I think sometimes when we're developing worlds we get a little myopic and we just kind of see it through our own eyes and don't take time to consider what it'll be like for others to go through I know when I read some of these campaign worlds, I know that the the person who wrote it probably hasn't run anybody through it because it didn't seem playable to me. Again, that's my own opinion, uh, but uh, it's not. It's happened more than a couple times. You, know, you can find just a few interesting ideas, but for the whole for the whole, the campaign world becomes unplayable for various reasons not of which one is that you've you've kind of fell in love with your setting and you haven't given it you've made it kind of so dense that you really haven't given it room to breathe so for a GM to run it they'd have to tear out big chunks so they could integrate some of their ideas some of their choices in the world and allow it to kind of you know, become part of not only that the person who created the world, but whoever's running the world too. But let's get back to the comics. I'm already I'm rambling on to something that doesn't have anything to do with something. Um, so the choices that we have and making everything—it's it, one of the things I really, really enjoy doing to players is putting them in a catch-22 situation, like a no-win situation, or what seems like a no-win situation. Um, one of the situations, let's take it for example, uh, what happened in one of my campaigns that happened most recently, and that's where the players were going through this world, and they were trying to battle back these demons that had kind of been uh, kind of filtering in. Nothing major but it was enough to gain the attention of folks. Like, and it's, It was just like minor stuff like one hit dice demons like some mains or remores or something like that. I can't remember exactly which ones. But it was enough to gain the attention of them and they, you know, they, were, they were low level characters and they decided well we're going we're gonna to rock these demons and you know Send them back to hell. And, and accordingly, they did. 
they did, but then they went through the, for, they found the, one of the gates that they were going through, so they were going to shut the gate on the other side. <laughs> oh, they were so cute. Um, and they get on the other side and they find that they can't get back out. It's, uh, it's like a one-way door that they can't get back through. And um, so what they see down there is they see a, uh, what is it? Oh, a hag. I love hags. Hags are just such a wonderful nemesis to have. And they didn't know it was a hag until she came out. They just saw a bunch of lemurs. I think that's what they call them. I don't know. I'm having a hard time pronouncing any words as always. And uh, then they encounter the hag. And they appropriately piddle themselves knowing they're way outgunned. If this, if this hag wants to, you know, bitch slap them and eat them, there's pretty much nothing that he can do. And that's, that's just a wonderful, wonderful thing of, of uh, old school gaming. You'd never have that happen usually in a, in a fifth edition game or anything where, you know, balance is sort of a pillar uh, of, of their adventures. So they talk to her. So, so the hag talks to them about... I can't remember what the deal they, she made with them, but uh, she let them go back out, but they would have to put this stone or something. I can't remember what it was. I'm sorry. I'm forgetting. I was going to make an example. I'm going to make an important example, but let's just say it was a stone. They're going to put this stone above this gateway. Well, they all knew something bad was going to happen, and she basically told them, if you do this, and she looked at one player specifically, and it was Joe the Lawyer's character. She says, you're going to call for a favor for me soon. And if you do this, I'll grant you this favor. So they proceed to go out and then destroy the gate, which, you know, you don't blame them. They destroy the gate and... They kind of giggle and laugh and, you know, run away thinking they had gotten better the hag and they escaped, you know, the first Avernus, the first layer of hell. Then, I don't know, I don't know a month or two later, they encounter uh, this, this young girl and they save her from just wandering in the Comor Forest. They didn't know what it was. Of course, you know, Joe's paranoid as hell because he's like, why is a little kid running around in the Comor Forest by itself? Why the hell is she still alive? She's she's a demon herself. She must be a lord of hell. Which is very funny because Joe does get very paranoid and it is a joy to see him go in panic mode. And, uh, but they all decide to bring her back and she's just like this normal little kid and everything. But then what happens soon after that is people started getting sick around the village. Now, I waited for like another session or two before I kind of started layering in the elements of this. Now, what this little girl was is she was considered a, um, 
Oh, I forgot the term. But basically, she was providing a blessing from Hesta. Now, Hesta in my game is one of the seven gods of death, and she is the called the plague bearer. So the blessed blessing ones are the ones who are have contracted a, a disease, in this case a plague, and then they go around to spread it, to share Hesta's blessing. And so she's, so some of the people that were infected by this just happened to be, now I really didn't pl plan this. This is something like when you do improv stuff, because I didn't know what the hell I meant when I said you're going to, uh, you're going to owe a favor and you're going to, you're going to need me kind of thing. Didn't, didn't know how it was going to play in. Had no idea. However, just let your mind, because sometimes just letting your mind go, it's going to come up with more interesting things than if you put actual effort into the thought sometimes. I, at least for me. Sometimes I come up with some shit I would never think I would have come up with if I was actually trying to come up with it. So anyways, so this plague bear comes to the village and starts, you know, spreading her disease. Now, Joe's character is this gnome who had basically kind of taken under his wing, his little wing, of this mom, and she had five children. Well, the way the village was set up, there wasn't a lot of room, so the kids were, all these refugees that came from this burning city were filling up this one, like, uh, tent city, if you will, and the kids were kind of in an area. So she was sleeping with all the children, so all these children were all contracting the plague, and some of them were the, the ladies' kids. And so now Joe's very invested in this. And um, so they kind of linger on, not sure what they're doing. They try to talk to the local priests and everything. And during the night, Joe basically gets a dream and something about, you know, uh, she, uh, the hag, said, I could have helped you with this if you had just done what I told you. Instead, you decided to destroy my gate, in which they really didn't destroy it. They kind of damaged the cosmetics, but it still worked fine. Um, she goes, now it's going to cost you. And she holds up her, now I don't know how to say it, paraffit, 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 maybe. And uh, she's like, this is what you're looking for. This is... Uh, um, what you what you need to cure the plague, but before you can use it, you have to get send me nine evil souls, and uh, so basically Joe and those guys had they were kind of on a time crunch now, and I can't remember uh, who talks about time, but I'm a big big uh, advocate for for putting the party under a time crunch. Love doing that. And because of uh, uh, of Joe's choices, now he had to, to do this. And Joe's not a fighter. He doesn't know what to do. But there was some evil guys actually in, in town and everything. And they ended up claiming their souls. And it was enough to uh, satisfy 
the uh, hag so then he could use his paraffin to uh, cure disease. Now it only had three charges and then it shattered. So he didn't know that though. So he was using, he think he was going to cure the whole village with this thing. But after the third one, it shattered and he, um, was then, and I'm trying to think of what happened then, because I know I'm not saying it exactly right, but I'm trying to do the best I can because it's been a while. Um, but then, uh, uh, you know, so he, he cured who he could, but unfortunately, the time it took for him to do the healings and get the healings, that little girl, the youngest one of them, had uh, passed away. And uh, so he kind of did it for the other kids and whatnot. Um, but also during that time, what he found out, too, is he was visited by... The god Serath. Now, the god Serath is um, a, a, a war, god of war and order. Very, you know, scary, strict on stuff, and just not, a, you know, one of the the more powerful of the gods. Um, and he was pissed that Joe claimed nine of his soldiers' souls. And he didn't receive them. And he knew, you know, and then he knew Joe had, Snickle was his guy's name. So Snickle had done it. So now he was marked by Serath um, for, I guess, bad things to happen. So the consequence, this is a long story. I'm sorry, guys, it was so long. But so these little choices they made. And, and these are choices, and this game played out for probably six months to this point it didn't end it, it didn't end there but it, it you know we build up to this point so you can see like this one choice pretty much a, a, a what do you call a um, damned if you do damned if you don't choice but didn't like so they wanted to get out of there and their choice was to agree with the fag or not they agreed to work with them and then their choice was to cooperate with the hag or go against her and they went against her and then this side thing happens, but you know, do you bring the little girl into the uh, village, or you don't bring her into the little the the village? And then at that point, now these two choices, two even though they're two different branches, form into one because now you have to decide whether you're going to make the deal and pay the price of the hag so you can heal the kids. And then even though you did the right thing. You know, you killed evil guys, you collected your souls, you, you at least was able to cure some of the kids, even though you lost the one you were really trying to save. Then then now you have a god, another god who's pissed off at you. So it, it, it just adds so much fun to the game. It adds another freaking awesome layer. And because you know players are going to get themselves stuck in the weirdest ass situations. It's just fun to watch them do that and then watch them with the struggle with you know what choices they have you know because joe like i said joe, joe gets paranoid about any choice he makes he's just like always back and forth and and uh you know um thinking about what horrible things i'm going to do to him um 
And the great thing is, is a lot of times you don't have to put a lot of effort into it because they're going to do it to themselves. So, all right, guys, I hope you can join us. I guess it's 5.30 now where I'm at. I'm closing out 5.30 Friday afternoon. So at 8 o'clock is when the random party generator starts. If you feel so inclined, join us. Please join us. You can ask questions. Uh, give a shit. We always enjoy that. Um, and, but if you don't see it, you can always catch it up on, you know, replay. We tend to go about two hours, though, so it is a bit of a, a, a slog sometimes. We try to keep it entertaining as much as we can. As long as we can keep Rob away from talking about Elf or Elf or Orc licenses, I think we should be safe. So, All right, guys. Take care. Roll better than me, and we will talk soon.